Testament book of Ephesians chapter 4. I want to share with you a message this morning entitled, Live the New Life. Live the New Life. Paul, as he writes to the church at Ephesus, uh, is, uh, is in prison. And as he is in prison, he is writing... And while the book is entitled, you know, um, the book of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, it is, is really a book that we believe, as he writes from prison, he's writing to all of the churches of Asia. And so it's a, it's a book that will be written, or a letter that will be written, and it will go to Ephesus, and then when they have read it and, and, and gained their information, then they'll share it with another church and share it with another church. It'll be passed around. From church to church to church, information. The theme of the book is God's purpose for the establishment of the church, His followers coming together to form the body of Christ. And so as he writes about this, he's writing about what happens and what takes place and how things transpire for the body to become what God intends the body to become. And so if we look in chapter 4, we see preceding this passage for today we see him talking about what Christ has done in the church. Beginning in verse 7, he talks about, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Given. It's a gift. There, there's that word again we've talked about uh, over the last several weeks. Therefore, it says, When he ascended and, and led captive the host of captives, he gave gifts to men. Okay? So he's talking about <coughs> the giftedness of men in the church, and, and when we say men, we're talking about, you know, mankind. And then in verse 11 it says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up the body of Christ. So it's the idea of the establishment of the church, and the building up the body, until we all obtain to the unity of the faith, and to all the knowledge of the Son of God, and, and to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs in the fullness of Christ. And he says, as a result of this, we're no longer to be tossed to and fro, thrown around by the world, you know, but, but he says we are to, to be able to stand strong, speaking the truth in love, we, uh, where we are to grow up in all aspects into Him. So he's talking about the process of being a part of the body of Christ. He's talking about the process of becoming a part of the church, the kingdom of God, and all of the things that take place in relationship to that. And, and as he talks about that, he, he gets to verse 17, and he says, listen, based on these things, based on, on all of this giftedness that's to be used to building up the body, based on the fact that we're to mature in Christ and grow in relationship with Him, and all of these things, he says, this I say therefore... And affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from a life with God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness, but you did not learn Christ in this way. 
Indeed, you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So he says, listen, because God has, has given to man th- these gifts, these gifts that, that are to be like Aaron was talking about earlier, our treasures and our gifts and our talents and our abilities, he said these are to be used for the building up of the body of Christ. And if they're used in the way that they're intended, then, then the body of Christ begins to mature. And we're no longer these little immature people that are devastated by the world or the events of the world or the attacks of Satan. He says, but rather we have a a new strength, we have a new ability, uh, we have a a new commitment that allows us to, to live as God intends us to live. And so he says in regards to that, that therefore, because of those things, he says, you are to take off the old self, and you are to put on the new self. You are to change. You are to be transformed, if you would. So what he's saying is this, is all of these things that are done in order for the church to grow and mature, he says, God, God gives you the gift, and you accept the gift. He says, but you don't stay the same. You have to change. You have to be different than you were. And so I look at that, and I have to ask the question of myself and and, and of others, are we different? Are we different today than yesterday? Are are we different this week than last week, this month than last month? Are, Are we different today than the day we first accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior? Have we allowed Him and His Word and the gifts that He's given to others to influence and impact our life so that we are changing in our relationship? That we have put off the old self and we have put on the new self. We have stopped living the old life and we have begun to live the new life. That's what I want us to talk about this morning. I I think about that and probably one of the most vivid examples that we have of putting off the old life and living a new life is that of a caterpillar. And we all know what happens. A caterpillar is born into this life, and it's alive. And while it's alive, it is eating everything that it can eat. I don't know if you know that about caterpillars, but, but when a caterpillar is, is in its caterpillar stage of life, it is eating everything, it's putting everything in it that it can. It is building up energy and stores and, and all kinds of things within itself for the ultimate day that it's going to change. And so it's preparing itself for the change. And then it takes itself and hangs upside down on a twig or a leaf or something of that nature. And it weaves itself a cocoon. And once it closes the cocoon, all of that that it ate, all of that that it stored up and it built inside of itself is trapped inside that cocoon. It only takes about 9 to 14 days for that ugly little hairy worm... To become a beautiful butterfly. And it 
put off the old self. I won't go into the details of how that happens because, frankly, they're pretty gross. But, but it put off the old self. And when it came out of the cocoon, it was a whole new life. Different than it had ever been before. Before, it had to crawl around on the ground. Now, it can fly. Before, it was not very attractive, wasn't very pretty, wasn't very desirable. Now, people love to look at it. People gain pleasure by seeing it and, and watching it effortlessly float through the air. Its life is different than it was before. And when we look at God's Word, He says, when you become a part of my family and my spirit comes to live within you, you need to become different than you were before. Your life needs to be rearranged. Who you are needs to be changed based off the truths of God's Word and the gifts that He has been given within the Scriptures. He said, you need to be living a new life. It needs to be different. So I want us to take just a moment this morning and to look at what it means for us to live the new life. The first thing we have to realize is that we have to put off the garments of the old life. We have to get rid of the old that he is talking about here. It's a life that is futile. That's the first word that he uses. We think about that word futile, it means of no use. It has no value. There's no purpose in it. You realize that before we meet Christ and we accept the gift that He gives us, our life as it is, is of no use. Our life as it exists prior to knowing Christ is of no value. It has no purpose. Now, we may think it does. We may feel that it does. But reality is, according to God's Word, is that our life before Christ is futile. Because it leads what? Nowhere. It doesn't lead us anywhere. The life without Christ isn't life at all. And, and because there's no purpose to it, there's no value to it, and it doesn't lead us anywhere in relationship to eternity except for His condemnation and the punishment that we experience, which is hell for all eternity. And so He says, that life is of no value. It's of no use. It has no purpose. It is the life that He defines that is in darkness. And he uses those terms as we read through those verses, and and he's trying to help us to see the the importance of putting off the old. Uh, In verse 18, he says, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them. Now listen, because of the hardness of their heart. He says, they're living in darkness. Let's see what Jesus says about that. If you want to leave your finger there in Ephesians chapter 4 and flip back over with me to, the, to a little bit into one of the Gospels in John chapter 11. In the Gospel of John chapter 11, let's see what Jesus says about the darkness and light and, and how that impacts us as believers. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. And this is where Lazarus and Martha and Mary and all of these things have taken place. And and Lazarus has died. And he's having a conversation with Martha. And listen to what he says. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He, He says, listen, the life that I give to you The life that I offer to you, he says, even though physically you may die, he said, yet you're going to live. 
And so he says here in Ephesians, as Paul writes, he says, there's a darkness that is over that former life. A darkness that, that is because of our ignorance, our lack of understanding, that is caused by what? Not because they haven't heard. They've heard the message. It's because of the hardness of their heart. Because their heart is hardened and becomes so callous that they cannot receive the truth. And so even though the truth is preached, even though the gospel is shared, the message is given to them, they can't receive it because of the hardness of their heart. You know, there's a parable that he tells about the, the seed and the sower. And he talks about when the seed, when he, the sower goes out to sow the seed, that some of it falls on good soil and some of it falls among the thorns and then some of it falls what? On rocky soil. And he says when it falls on the rocky soil or, or the hard soil, that, that it can't get any root. The root can't get any grasp for the plant to grow. That's what he's talking about here. He says the hardness of their heart, the callousness of who they are. He said the seed has been given, but the seed can't find a place to, to plant a root. The seed can't find a place to dig in and begin to, to reach down and to grab some nutrients from the soil and some moisture from the soil and be able to grow and mature. And he said the, the former way of life has a hardness of heart. It comes from a darkness, and that darkness is, is in relationship to, to our ignorance, and that ignorance is in relationship to the hardness of our heart. It is a life that, that is, uh, is full of separation from God, alienation, he calls it. The alienation is the fact that we are separate from God, that, that we have a, a life that does not allow us to live as he desires for us to live. He says, this is the old life. And listen, it doesn't matter who we are or where we've been in life. Without Christ, that's what our life is like. Now, are every one of those things present in every one of our... no. But he's saying, this is what the life appears like if you do not have Christ. It, it, it appears that you are, are in darkness. It, it appears that, that in relationship to him that, that you, you have a futile life. It, it appears that, that there is, is no, there's an alienation, a separation from God, and no relationship with him. There's a hardness and a coldness to your heart. And that's why when, when we see things that people do and, and some of the, the crimes and things that, that they commit, and we look at it and they go, how can someone be so cold? How can someone be so heartless and so callous to do some of the things that we see going on in our world today? It's because there's no Christ in their heart. And because there's no Christ in their heart, they live in darkness and they live in separation from God. And they live in relationship to, to this callousness and, the, and this hardness and this alienation and this separation. And, and so they're allowed in their life to do things that we can't fathom. Why? Because we have Christ in our heart. We have Christ in our life. And because we have Him there, those things, our heart is not callous. Our, our heart is not hard. And so we can't imagine or understand those things. And so he says, this is an indication of a life that is not worth living. This was your former life. He says, but now I want you to put on a, a new garment. I want you to put on a new life. And I want you to live in a different way. And so he begins to talk about what that means to receive Christ 
into our heart and into our life, to know Christ, to know Him and who He is. He, notice what He says, and, and again, Aaron mentioned this earlier, it's about a renewing of the mind. It's about taking an old way of thinking and an old way of living and an old way of ideas, and He says, I want you to renew that. I want you to refresh that. I want you to change that and make it different than it was before. And so there's a, a renewal process that takes place when we come to know Christ. This process is changing who we are to who He desires for us to be. This process takes place, and, and He says, this is what the change looks like. First thing He says is this, don't lie, tell the truth. Just always be honest, always be, be genuine, always be real. Don't lie about who you are, don't lie about things in life. He says, tell the truth. Just speak the truth is what he says. Let's look back again at that uh, chapter 4 passage. And he says, listen to this, verse 25, when he's talking about put on that new life, that new self. He says, therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak the truth each of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He says, so listen, the first thing is this, just be truthful. Be truthful about everything in life. Don't lie about things. Don't, don't try to hide or cover things up. Just be honest and be truthful. Then he talks about anger. And he talks about anger from a perspective, and, and he says, listen, don't let anger get a hold of you. And then he uses the term, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Wait a minute, I thought it said don't, don't get angry. But now it says, don't let the sun go down here. Here's what he's talking about. There are two different kinds of anger. Anger that leads me to sin. Anger that leads me to do something that I should not do or to think things that I should not think. There's an anger that is okay, but don't let that anger fester. Don't let it lay around because then it will grow into that other kind of anger. We remember when Jesus went into the temple and he drove out the money changers and he turned over the table. There was a holy anger there about what they were doing to the kingdom of God. But he says, don't let it stay around. Don't let it fester. Don't let it linger in your heart. Okay? There are times that we should be angry about what people say and what people do and how people act in relationship to others and the kingdom of God. Okay? But he says, don't let that hang around because if we do... He says, it opens up the door for Satan to get a foothold in our heart and our life. That's what anger does to us. So if you're walking around with anger in your heart, if you're walking around with anger in your life, something from your past, something that someone has done, someone has said, some way that someone has hurt you, if you're walking around with that anger, he says, what you're doing is you open the door for Satan to get in your heart. What you're doing is providing an opportunity, is what he calls it, for Satan to possess us and to come inside and, and get into our heart and to attack us. Okay? So he says, don't let the sun go down on that. And it's okay sometimes to be angry, a holy anger. But he says, but you have to deal with it, put it aside, and move on. You can't let it fester. You can't let it continue to live. And then he begins to talk about how that changes our life. The first thing he says is, is hey, Somebody who steals, let them, let them not steal anymore. Let them get a job and go to work. Let, let them get to work and provide for themselves, and then that they might be able to give, as Aaron was talking about earlier, to others. That they might be able to do something with what they work with. So instead of taking from others, he said, what I want you to do is work and earn so that you can give to others. Make a transition. Be different than you were before, is what he's trying to say. He talks about our speech. He says, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. You think about that. What is wholesome and what is unwholesome? 
what is acceptable and what is unacceptable in the way that I use my language in the words that I say and things that I communicate how those things influence and impact others in their lives and so he talks about a wholesome type of speech not any unwholesome words but he says speak words that are what what does he say he says that are uplifting that are edifying that are encouraging so in other words unwholesome words are words that tear people down Unwholesome words are, are words that discourage people or tear people down or, or are negative. And he said, don't, don't talk that way anymore. Don't let that be the verbiage that comes out of your mouth. But instead, he says, we want to say things that build others up. We want to say things that are positive or, or encouraging in their life. Let, let's read on and see what he says there. Uh, he says, let no unwholesome word, verse 29, proceed from your mouth. But only such word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may that it may give grace to those who hear that it may sound good and encouraging to them give grace to them and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness now listen to the things he's talking about here let all bitterness wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. He says, get these things out of your life. He says, I want you to speak things that are kind, things that are encouraging, things that are building up to other people, things that offer grace to them. And then notice this last verse. And be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Remember the comparison earlier? He's talking about hard-hearted. He's talking about callous. He says, listen, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. He says that forgiveness is in relationship to, to not letting that anger fester, not letting that, that anger hold on and open an opportunity for Satan to get in our hearts. And he says, what I want you to understand is that when we become believers, when we become a part of the, the family of God, he said, we are to live differently than we did before. And if we're not... We need to make some changes. If we are, praise the Lord. Let's continue to, to make those changes and live in the right way. But he says, you can't accept me and allow my spirit to dwell in your heart and life and keep living the same old way that you lived before. You've got to make some changes. You've got to be different. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to be kind and forgiving and understanding. You've got to speak words that are positive, encouraging, and uplifting. He said, your heart and life and mind need to be different once Christ becomes a part of your life. And he says, I want you to live that new life. So this morning, we're going to offer an invitation hymn. And it's a time for us to make decisions about where we are in our life and our relationship with the Lord. Are you living the new life? Is there a need for change in your life? Have you accepted the Lord, but you've been kind of just coasting along the same old way that you've always done things and today you say you know what i do need to change i do need to be different how i speak to people how i talk to people the kindness that i show the forgiveness that i give it needs to be different because christ has made a difference in my life if there's a decision on your heart this morning won't you come as we stand and as we sing